Eternal Dirtles is sponsored by Patreons like yourself. You can join us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Thanks. Took the two plus as it hit the board food token. It was there to become a three-three. All the flip doubles and the hooting androids are out on the corner. They're attacking, you see. I started thinking, how much will they drinking? When played a sign said we approve this for play. Something struck me rude when he plus two for food. But what can you do when kids are brands at three-three? It's a Merit Lake solution our rug institution. And three-threes and a thieves. And then it goes. Give them the food. The elks, the antelopes. Give them the food. You know I'm an antelope. Give them the elks, the food. The three-threes on my battlefield. Uncle was playing and Tom a girl was singing on the six plus as we delved up the yard. Flipping in, coming in, the three threes are bumming, and they all come from some food tokens. I said, why even bother as I pick up the walker, Mr. Thief of Crowns, please let these three threes on. We do, Oko is a metagame pearl, and play design said nothing wrong. It's a Maryland solution, now a rogue institution, and three threes and a thieves. And then it goes, give them the food, the yolks, the antelopes, give them the food, you know I'm an antelope, give them the food, the yolks, the three threes on my battlefield. On my battlefield! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah! Took the two plus as it hit the board food token. It was there to become a three-three. All the flip doubles and the hooting mandrels are out on the corners. They're attacking, you see. Uncle was playing. Tom McGuff was singing on the six plus as we delved the yard. Rude dude, I is a metagame pearl And play design, saw nothing wrong The food, the elks, the antelopes Give them the food, you know I'm an antelope Give them the food, the elks, the three threes are my battlefield Give them the food, the elks, the antelopes Give them the food, you know I'm an antelope Give them the food, the elks, the three threes are my battlefield Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Gully and Phil Bleckman. Nate, Phil, how's it going, guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's, Happy also, it's also the start of our very fourth year uh, on very the cast. Year. This, is, this is episode 156, which will start our fourth year off. That's bizarre, in a way. Yeah. Um... um you know, we haven't we haven't posted every week, but we have three years worth of podcasts up now. Since mid twenty sixteen, so twenty seventeen, eighteen, yeah. nineteen, and then like half of twenty sixteen is averaged out to exactly three years. That's that's funny. Yeah, that's oh, I, my, my understanding was that this podcast uh, had started in nineteen ninety three. Did I miss Did I miss something? It'd be cool if there was a podcast that had been around. What's even the longest running podcast? Like, how old could it possibly be? Uh, I guess like I mean, ten years. I think Joe Rogan probably has one of the one of the longest ones. I don't know if it's the longest one. 
Yeah, the Adam uh, Carroll Barrels is the longest Mark, one. Mark Marin has a pretty long-running podcast, but I mean, we're not a podcast about podcasts. We're here to talk about magic cards, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, wait, I can't believe we're a podcast about. Ma- I thought we were a podcast about podcasts. <sighs> so meta. Yeah. So I can't believe there are more cards for us to talk about. Yeah. I mean, there's always more cards. <laughs> there's always more cards. Just there's at the end of cards. 2019, a bunch of cards snuck snuck in and snuck uh, in. And here we are on the on the first day of the year talking about them. So these are for Theros Beyond Death, and we're going to do our thing that we did the last couple um, uh, set previews where we do a preview of our longer preview show by just picking three cards that have already been announced. You know, one that each of us found interesting. And I think we'll start with Zach's card, which is Clothis or Clothis. Whatever we're going to say. What are those two? Clothies. 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 Is it it Clothies? (laughs) It's actually Kalidus. It's uh, It's Kalidus. (laughs) It's Emrakle. Yeah. Clothis, god of destiny. One green to red for a legendary enchantment creature god. It is indestructible. As long as your devotion to red and green is less than seven, Clothis isn't a creature. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a land card... Add red or green. Otherwise, you gain two life, and Clothis deals two damage to each opponent. I feel like this is just eventually going to be colloquially known as K-Swiss, God of Destiny. K-Swiss? Yeah. Um, I, I, the shoes? That, that's our take, everybody. Clothis <laughs> is going to be K-Swiss. That's it. That's all we got. Um, Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to get down and dirty with this card, I like what it's doing as far as, like... Green and red never really got a, a great like god type of card uh, that that like stuck on the board for very long. Like uh, red and blue had had uh, what's it called uh, was it Karanos? Karanos. Karanos. Yeah. What is this guy's name? Uh, yeah, Karanos. And uh, Karanos was great, uh, and you could even splash it if you're playing miracles. You could throw that down, and it made for a really great win con that was really hard Ooh. for your opponent to mo- uh, remove. As it was awesome turned into a creature. Planeswalkers. What's that? Yeah, it was awesome before planeswalkers were just the best non-creature thing to be doing. Yeah, I mean, so I played many a Karanos. Getting getting that down onto the board and just making sure that your like your opponent has no good way to interact with with an indestructible enchantment that's not a creature, um, because most things that get rid of enchantments are they, they just destroy them. They don't they don't exile them. So. Having something like this in play for the long game in, in like a Rogue Delver deck, g- getting to getting to have like sort of a long mid-range plan, or even like this sort of takes up the uh, it, it, because it gains you the life too. You get to you get to have a race situation uh, as well, which I which I really like, where uh, you're slightly pulling ahead of your opponent, and the added benefit of being just to exile a card from your opponent's uh, from yours or your opponent's uh, graveyard. Uh, which could, in the long run, could really become uh, something that just uh, edges them out slowly. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like being able to, uh, you know, incidentally get get that value on, on the graveyard is not nothing. It's interesting for a couple of reasons. I I, I like the um, it's like it's like a sulfuric vortex sort yeah. of um, what's you know like a, like a pseudo sulfuric vortex. It's even better because you don't lose life. Right, you don't lose life. It's good to have that, like, yeah, it's inevitability, and you can still gain life. Of course, everyone can still gain life. 
and like it's gonna sit on the board. It's, it's funny. I don't really anticipate a lot of using this for mana, um, though you could if you wanted to. Like, yeah, I think like, this is gonna be going to be mana a lot. <laughs> I, I think the mana ability is the best part of the card. I mean, it being a win condition is great, but like you just getting to pull ahead on mana is. I mean, the things that just incidentally pull you ahead on mana. I mean, uh, how much play has Carpet of Flowers seen? recently just because it's a ritual for that sits on the table right carpet of flowers costs one and this costs three so like do you want a carpet of flowers out and then this they just cast well, stuff for free all the time i guess i'm i, I wasn't saying necessarily played them together i mean i like this thing is also win con but i'm saying I, I think the mana ability is the the most i mean interacting with the graveyard as a main deckable card is important but i think the the mana ability is going to be the biggest part of the card until it gets to a game state where just like both players are running on empty and having a, a kill con sitting on the table is relevant. Yeah. Also the fact that this is three mana uh, in, in a world where three mana is a pretty glutted, glutted area now uh, for, for, uh, for this color pie, part of the color yeah. pie. Um, it, it, it's three mana, which I, I feel like this could cost four mana and, and it would see no play in legacy. But like at three mana, I think it's, it's, it's really uh, it's really costed just to be able to uh, experiment with legacy as well. I think also I just, right now the thing that's important with these new gods is because they aren't creatures when they're in play. If you don't want them to be, means that they actually get to play around Oko. Yeah, so Oko. Yeah, Oko. That's exactly yeah. This doesn't get waxed by Oko. Yeah, it's is, a big game. Um, I guess my thing is like, I just don't, I, don't, I can't find a home for this in my brain. Like, I don't think this is like a Delver card necessarily. Um, well, as we get into a more mid range style, uh, like a uh, rug rug deck, I could see playing this as a one of, or a two of, I can even see playing this, uh, in, in a rug Delver deck as a, as like a one of just as like a weird, like got you card, you know, like you've got a couple flex slots in there. You're not playing Ren six anymore. Um, so you can, you know, you've got room to mess around with things. Yeah, it's not pyroblastable. It doesn't get hit by creature or will get hit by Oko, and it doesn't get attacked. I mean, it's got quite a lot going for this... it as an effect. It's just whether or not the effect is strong enough to, to like, really make a deck good. The one, one last thing I just want to say, though, is, like, the, uh, the drain, this, this except, excuse me, any type of card, and it drains. Seems a lot more relevant now with uh, Mystic Sanctuary being played quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just kind of like prevents people from storing stuff in their graveyard. Like it's really good against Mystic Sanctuary, Snapcaster Mage type effects. So, um, I mean, that's and we were just we were just talking about Kronos too. This is this does a really good Kronos impression. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the gaining two life is is underrated. I mean, I always think gaining life is a little bit underrated, but it's like um, just because like yeah, like you were saying at the beginning, Zach, like you could win a race. And you're gaining two life every turn, and they're taking two every turn. Yeah, I mean, I can't um, tell you the number of times I've been on I, I've been on the winning side of a sulfuric vortex and been like, oh man, this could be bad. Like it yeah. might not work out for me. Um, this is basically the same thing, but you're gaining life. So uh, and you're not taking damage. You're basically playing sulfuric vortex, but you're netting for life every turn instead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that this uh, even even is just a sideboard card like. Bring this in against miracles. Bring this in against uh, you know it, it's got multiple aspects to it. You can bring this in against a graveyard centric deck. I wouldn't say like bring it in against Reanimator hands down. It's not. Gonna, it's a yeah. fine card to play if you're playing against Reanimator, but uh, being able to play this card 
as an incidental card that, uh, against Snapcaster style decks, I think I think it's great. Either those decks, you know, they have issues, right? Like, or you like your your deck that's red and green is going to have issues with like, that kind of deck. Yeah, this is the kind of deck I, the card I could see like splashing into Maverick or playing an Aggro Loam or something where it's like, um, you know, preferable to Bitter Blossom in some ways, which yeah. is the kind of thing you would bring in just because it's not as easily killable, right? Um, and it doesn't kill you <laughs> while you're while you're using it. Um, this could be the kind of thing you rip off the top, and it's great. So, yeah, I uh, I think we should see if we find room for it. Legacy's in a pretty crazy spot right now, and three mana doesn't do nothing or does nothing until you untap is tough to sell, but it's cool. I think they're cool effects. Yeah. Um, let's do Bill's card, which is Underworld Breach. One in a red for an enchantment. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost, plus exile three other cards from your graveyard. No, you may cast cards from your graveyard for their escape cost. So it's a cast. At the yeah. beginning of the end step, sacrifice Underworld Breach. Do you want to know the most broken part about this card, other than the fact that it's like a, a, a Yogg Will or a Passing Flames? Hmm. Uh, it doesn't exile cards that have escaped. Yeah, that's the crazy part for me, too. You can continue casting the exact same spell over and over again. So if you have it enough does... cards to, to uh, if you have enough cards to play the exile clause, yeah, you can play the same cards. Yeah, I think actually, I think escape actually has a uh, at least has a cost associated with it, um, and it has a it, I mean it's a mana cost plus like some sort of other resource in this case cards from your you know deck right I mean you got to get cards from your deck into your graveyard. Um, so the big thing with you know Yogwas Will is the is sort of an interesting comparison right like uh, um, that. And the, the fact that this has the same effect as Yawgmoth's Will versus Passive Flames, which um, only affects the cards that are in the graveyard when it resolves, this doesn't do that. This is just assigning a characteristic to all the cards in your graveyard, no matter when they come in, right? Yeah. And it's all um, cards. It's all non-land cards. It's not just instants and sorceries, the way Passive Flames is. So yeah. uh, Mana Rocks being able to just escape is uh, what's going to like make this card super busted. Uh, obviously, like the 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 bear the the stage one of brewing with this card is okay. How do we break it? And of course, you just play all of the the mana rocks, lotus petal, LED cantrips, et cetera, et cetera. But then the the payoff here is um, if you play with brain freeze, every storm of brain freeze that you target yourself will allow you to escape a card once. So let's say you stormed five with your brain freeze, that will put uh, six brain freezes on the stack so each of those brain freezes you can do your math easier and go i can cast now uh the the a card that's in my graveyard six additional times if i wanted to and then cast the brain freeze again to then mill myself further and then eventually have built up enough storm after casting that same brain freeze over and over and over again to target my opponent. opponent yeah yeah so like being able to recast your led out of your yard to like start netting some mana after you brain freeze a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter since the kill condition, both the the enabler and the kill condition is brain freeze yeah. with this card. And so the way that then you, if you're, if you're able to net a bunch of black lotuses out of the yard, like uh, where you're doing that, the other card that was printed recently where you can brain freeze yourself without the underworld breach on the table necessarily and get there is you can dump a Savine's reclamation into the yard off of your brain freeze if you're making a bunch of men off your black lotuses anyway, it doesn't matter if you're hangless to the yard. You combo off by flashing back the Sabine's reclamation, 
bringing back Underworld Breach plus probably the LED that you just cracked, oh, and now you're off to the races. I, I love that. Yeah, I did try a Savine's Reclamation Storm deck for a while, and I could get the Storm up to like 20, but I was not by the way to win. So yeah, what is Savine's Reclamation? I actually don't know off, to, off the top of my it's head. Two, Savine's Reclamation was in Commander. It's two and a white for a sorcery that returns a permanent with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And it has flashback for four, four and a white. And if you flat, and if you cast it from a graveyard, um, you get, you get to copy it. So you get two things back. I see. So, so you would play like a bunch of like uh, grindy planeswalker decks where they would just tick down their three met, three drop walkers a bunch and then just recast them from the yard and blow out opposing fair decks that, you know, you're just netting a ton of value. Yeah. I tried it with like you know Echo of Eons, um, and then the three mana Planeswalkers, like you said, and then like just like wanted to like just spam LEDs, and until and then you know Echo with like a Narset or Teferi in play, so they couldn't do anything, and then just find a way to win. That was my plan. I mean, this card you, you can target. You could target Wish, Wish Claw Talisman with it. <laughs> I found these things you could do with it, like. I definitely like Savine Reclamation to Snapcaster Mage so I could Snapcaster Tendrils as the kill one day. Like, I was like, oh, geez, that's all I have. Um, but anyway, yeah, this card, like, the, you're right, You're right, Phil. It's like stage one is breaking it with Brain Freeze, and I think there's a question. Like, I mean, that deck is going to be tried, and it is going to be good or not, right? We don't, we're, we don't really know. It's well, got to be all, refined. There's well, also certain things where you can – it's obviously got to be refined for sure. The, the difference about Underworld Breach, though, is because it gives your cards escape without exiling if you uh, like uh, cards that may be relevant, is you can actually, if, let's say you have an Underworld Breach earlier on, but you don't have enough to kill, but you need to do things to like stop the opponent, you could even just play like bolts in your deck or something, and then just like play an Underworld Breach, gun down their whole team, and then uh, Underworld Breach goes away, but now you've cleared the board. You yeah, know, you still have uh, cards in your yard that you would care about because you can choose which ones you exile for the escape cost. So there's the Underworld Bleach allows for obviously like the busted combo kills, but I think what is going to make the deck actually uh, a viable uh, combo deck in Legacy is that it can pivot hard to not just be a, a combo deck. Yep. You, can, you can just naturally play permanents out of the yard or spells out of the yard that are incidentally very good. That would be great against, you know, imagine just playing a Narset, and then when they kill it, you just play, play it again. <laughs> or, or, yeah. you can, or, or you start looping other, you know, like looping legendary permanents of some kind. You could even go like, play this, play a bunch of cards, and then instead of sacking it, you can just like play your Teferi or whatever and bounce this back and then have it again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential with this card to, to, to really run the gambit between uh, broken to like fair and pivot, and I think the. This I don't card, think this the, is a fair the only card. weakness of this card is that it's entirely <laughs> graveyard reliant, right? But yeah. aside from that, I mean, I just I see this is a card that uh, that uh, TES is probably going to want to play at least one of in in, in the deck, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that it's got a couple things against it, like. You know, it's it's an enchantment. You can't burning wish for it, for example. True. Um, you know, they're playing like wish claw talisman, so they're now putting a lot of more permanents on the board. That you know, not in the game. Not, much not. Of a, yeah, Tess doesn't put cards into the graveyard as uh, efficiently as Passion Flames Tendrils does. Okay. 
I do like that it's a different deck. I like I like that it's a new deck. At least the the, the brain freeze idea is like a new deck. It is going to be very reliant on this particular card, which means you got to find it, resolve it, and then win. You know, like this card. Other without this card, I don't think that deck is going to succeed. So it'll be it'll have some fragility. Well, um, the interesting I, thing about this card is, I I think for the decks, like obviously you can't burning wish for it, but you could infernal tutor for it, and it is pretty much functionally a cheaper past in flames. Now the the but you don't have enough that. stuff in your graveyard to really feed it though to get to that to, for that kind of storm deck though in my mind. Oh, it not, it's not a straight swap, but yeah. in terms of like the 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 yog will of the deck to essentially put your graveyard into your hand that all the storm decks do. This one is this one is the cheapest. This is the cheapest we've ever seen. It just is like, hey, your graveyard is now in your hand. It's that's true with the exception of the fact that you do have to exile three. It's like it's like if you had to triple pitch from your hand to cast something. But you know, here's, here's the thing about that as well is is it's not just like oh you know like oh I have to have my graveyard full. You can literally have less storm and go off with this card because you get to you can just recast the spell that you had with storm you know right like you can go off and be like ah i only had six storm so i you don't know, you with tendrils but i can just cast tendrils again you lose yeah and the, the other part about this is you can because underworld breach doesn't care the type of card that's in the yard as long as it's non-land you can do really cool you can either pivot to be a deck that wants to interact, or let's say against Storm, opponents will bring in, like, Leyline of Sanctity, or they'll bring in, um, I don't know, something that would stop, or, or they're an Emrakul deck, uh, where, like, brain freezing them wouldn't be all that effective. Uh, as long as you have access to your graveyard, so as long as it's not Leyline of the Void, but even if it was, you could, you know, Storm decks have had to deal with that kind of shit forever, you just play your Chain of Vapor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this card, you can continue, you could even play in your deck just a one of lab maniac know yourself a bunch until you hit the savine's reclamation play the savine's reclamation flashing back out of the yard hitting underworld breach and your lab man and then just continuously mill yourself and then just cast the cantrip yep um yeah you got, you got pivoting like that it, it, it opens up ideas that that is correct savine's reclamation is really interesting for this I'm, I'm glad you found that i didn't i didn't think of it as this together because i felt this was going to be like a red blue deck that was going to be like resistant to all sorts of um, you know, non-basic land hate shenanigans, which I thought was going to be some of its appeal. But you, you um, want to know what it's kind of what's kind of like if we look at escape. I mean, escape is really just a delve variant. Like, let's what, let's talk about that in a second. Because well, I want to finish I, on this card. Just like the idea of this is, it's really saying when it when it says you can cast it back, it's really just giving all your cards delve. But yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Well, it's like delve plus it's, everything gets delve three. Everything gets delve three as long as it's in your group. You are, but it doesn't reduce the actual cost, but you're right, just right. flashing back cheap stuff anyway. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that in a second because I, I think that the next part we'll talk about is just one last thing on this. Uh, I like Grape Shot, you know, Grape yeah. Shot, Grape Shot is probably yeah. even better than Braid Freeze at times. Yeah, that's true, it's pretty um, good. Yeah, because you're probably going to be up to at least Storm 10 and then like just don't have to deal with like, you, like Veil of Summer blows up or your Braid Freeze or like, Storm those. 6 oh, yeah. and you just cast it three times. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I was thinking. Like, you could put four Grape Shots in your deck. Easily, great shot yeah, also, yeah, great shot. You have to sacrifice. Yeah. You have to exile one to feed, you know, your lion's eye diamond or your brain freeze. You can just you know do it again. That's what I was saying. against the uh, creature decks. The like anything Thalia, great shot being able to hit walkers as well is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Great shot's a really big, mm-hmm. big game for that. 
Um, I don't think there was anything else that I felt like. I mean, what about, okay, so there was a little bit of talking like in vintage. Like in the vintage is uh, interesting for this for two reasons. One is that like there's like Dak Fade Index that pump a bunch of cards in the graveyard. The only problem is that vintage does have Dell cards that are broken. Yes. Because it has to take through time and treasure period, so I don't know if that if that works. Um, um, no, I mean you can't delve uh, because it says equal to its mana cost. It's not like you can't delve those cards, so it's it's no. Yeah, because it's an alternate cost. It's yeah. not even that. It was that like you're already kind of like you know you're delving a lot. Yeah, you're vintage. already you're already removing stuff from your in, the, in the kind of deck that would play this. You're delving a lot. Yeah. With though, I did just kind of have this quick like, huh? Like what about like oath? So I was thinking, like, what if you just, like, didn't put a creature in your Oath deck and then, like, um, you know, I guess you can't do that because you have to draw a card. I guess you could use something like um, uh, Kroos and Reclamation to put, like, one card or whatever on top of your deck to draw. And then on your turn, you get, like, Underworld Breach and then your entire deck is in your graveyard, including, like, Lotuses and stuff. And then you can do stuff. I might not thought that through because you have to draw a card, but maybe there's a way. I mean, if you've got you an can... oath on the board and you've got it and, and it's it's done its thing, you generally you're winning the game. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is an oath. I just thought maybe it could be like an oath variant, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I think it's I forgot that oath happens before the draw step. Yeah. Forget me, forget I'm that. also curious to, I'm curious to see what this looks like in a deck that's like a even a, like a Hogaki deck. Well, this just gives everything Hogak. Yeah. Everything just becomes Hogak, right? Like, it, you got to pay your two mana for it so you can use lands, and you just have to delve some crazy amount of cards from your graveyard, right? And that's, it's, everything just becomes Hogak, right? Because Hogak's, like, sort of free, except it uses your grave, it eats its own graveyard and everything, your own graveyard and everything. So, yeah, I mean, Stitcher Supplier deck. We'll talk, let's talk about Ox of Agonos. That's my card. It was also kind of Phil's card because I thought Phil was making fun of me when I texted him about it, then he, re- they, then he seemed to agree with me it was good. Um, Ox of Agonos is three red, three red, red for creature Ox. When Ox of Agonos enters the battlefield, discard your hand and draw three cards. Its escape cost, it has its own escape cost, is red, red, and exile eight other cards from your graveyard. Uh, it escapes with a plus one, plus one counter on it, so when you cast it for the escape cost, it's a five, three, otherwise it's a four, two. So the reason I wanted to wait to talk about like everything is Delve is because you described this as flashback Delve, so it's like, it's cheaper if it's in your graveyard and you just have to delve. But, you know, if you if you have this in your graveyard, you'll probably have eight other cards in your graveyard that you could use. Delve this. Or whatever it is. Escape it. I don't know. And then you just draw three and have a five three on the board. For two red mana. I mean, this card's yeah, it's, absurd. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Bedlam. Everybody who's comparing it to Bedlam Reveler, stop it. You're wrong. It's not. It's better than Bedlam Reveler. You no, Bedlam Reveler a, isn't bolt bait, Phil. Bedlam Reveler isn't bolt bait. This thing gets to cast <laughs> out of its graveyard. Well, you I want to have this in your yard. Yeah, that's the that's the obvious first comparison. Bedlam Reveler which is seeing some play. Now I've played quite a lot of Bedlam Revelers in my deck, and here's here's the here's what happened with Bedlam Reveler that it is a great card. It is ancestral on a three four, and very often if I get one into play, I win. But very often, I can't get one to play yeah, it's because tough. it's tougher than it looks to get to six instants or lands sorceries aren't in your sorceries. <laughs> Yeah, this can exile lands, it can exile creatures, yep. so oh, it can exile anything. Wait a minute. A card that makes it so fetch lands are busted? <laughs> right, I know. 
Who knew? Um, the other thing is that uh, with, when your opponent, if you know your opponent could be playing Rest in Peace or Leyline of the Void, but Bedlam Reveler is your big mid to late game trump card, you have to really think about it because otherwise it's six red reds sitting in your hand. You're never casting and Bedlam Reveler from your hand like that, right? Never. I never. I, I never have. I've played some weirdo decks. No one who would play a real deck could cast Bedlam Reveler six red red. And because uh, I mean, I'm very often during the game, like the first game, you have to. You, it's sometimes two red red. Even you, know, it's turn four. You've drawn a bunch of lands. You put a bunch of. You fetched up a bunch of lands. You've only gotten a couple um, instants or sorceries, and you're looking at you know four mana to cast it, which is still a nice rate. Five mana is not. Un, it's not unattainable, right? And if you think about it, you're going to be making land drops, so you won't have a lot of stuff in your hand. And if you have other graveyard synergistic cards that aren't doing anything, you can just throw them into exile and look for better stuff and make them deal with the 4-2. You know, the best three. part about this card uh, is that if you really want to if you really want to put two of them in play at the same time, you can play City of Traders, play a land, the City of Traders for two mana, then you can eg- escape the other one with the City of Traders. There you go. <laughs> Um, this one, this this card is like there. There will be times, there, there will be plenty of times where decks have ground each other to shit, and you're playing off the top, and you have mana to do stuff, and you're just gonna draw a four two that ancestrals that then on the back half will ancestral. It's crazy, right? Yeah, and that's fine, I think. But Honestly, they, they like, kill it. like there yeah. are so and many times like, when you're playing against fair decks that like just just like top decking this and playing it for five mana is is not the worst. But, like, knowing that if your opponent gets rid of it, like, you're going to draw probably another three cards, and, and you're probably playing a deck that's mostly gas. You're just, like, bolting, you know, like, bolting your opponent and, and Chain Lightning and, you know, f- maybe Fire Blast, you know. And Fire Blast oh, works well with this, too. Fire Blast is so good with this. Yeah, I think, like, I mean, again, this, this, this kind of card is right in my wheelhouse for a lot of reasons. I've played a lot of – this is the card that's perfect for both Vengevine and Arclay Phoenix. Yep. Because it's cast. Oh, because yeah. Escape has cast it? Oh, is yeah, that why? Is because it's well, it's not that. It, it, it's, it's a couple of reasons. One is with Vengevine, you can cast this and exile all the fetch lands of extra mana dorks. I want to talk about that for Vintage. But for Arclay Phoenix, where you where you need, like, like Bedlam Reveler gets played in Arclay Phoenix decks as, like, a thing to do when you've pumped all your spells into the graveyard trying to set up your Arclay Phoenix, this is just there for you if you have Aethless Lid. I mean, people play Thought Scout to play Gurmang Angler, you know? Yeah. People, like, this is, this is like, definitely a better Thought Scour card. Like, it's red, red. All, all those, if, if you guys remember uh, back when, like, Treasure Cruise was just the best thing to be doing, uh, and it was just, it didn't matter, you just cast your spells, and you just got in there, and it, does, it didn't matter how you were spending resources, because you were just going to Ancestral a bunch anyway. Well, and then Ancestral was going to yeah, find yeah. you more Ancestral. This is... This is like that type of thing with the only clause being that you have to get it in your yard if you don't want to cast it for five as opposed to being able to cast it for one. But like this being in the vein of Treasure Cruise, obviously it's a two-mana Treasure Cruise, but if you're playing cards that you can just like naturally dump shit into your yard and get the value, everything everything is a lotus petal for this card the same yeah. way that uh, for the, the same way that Delve works. So and like, because yeah. you're drawing three cards, it feeds itself. Just yeah, like just Treasure Cruise. Okay. How about how about how about uh, Dredge? <laughs> you know, you can cast something off a Lion's Eye Diamond in, that's in play, and it's basically basically a X. A it's will flip your deck. Yeah, yeah. It's will flip your deck in Dredge. Like it's right there for you, right? Um, Nate, the this card deck, strikes me. 
this card strikes me as the type of thing where you're like you're playing your Stitcher supplier. Yeah, exactly. It works with Stitcher supplier. It works with dredge. It works with strategic planning and thought scour and faithless looting. It works with everything. It sounds it like you're Lions advocating out. playing with Badlands, though. Uh, well, I'm always advocating playing Badlands. Actually, here, here's a card that's sitting guys with it: Tinder Wall, because Tinder that gets you the red red. So actually, let's talk about Vintage for a second. So I, like, the survival deck in Vintage does not usually play red, so it's going to have to take some tweaking. But there are definitely times the survival deck where your hand just doesn't come together. You have like a bunch of mana dorks, you bizarre into nothing. This thing can be discarded to a bizarre, right, and just sit there, and then you can just draw and you can just draw gas off of it because of a bunch of cards. You have a bunch of extra like you know, noble hierarchs and other bazaars and fetch lands in your graveyard or, you know, moxes you don't need, right? You can just escape it out. Or it's literally a tutorable ancestral where you, you discard it or you discard like a venge vine to get the ox. You discard the ox to get a tinder wall. Tinder wall to, into ox triggers the venge vine. Like, how cool is that? So now you've drawn three cards, right? And uh, you have a venge vine and an ox. And you just you just you just exile the Tinder Wall to its cost, right? That's this could be played in Belcher and Legacy. You know, I would think you that it would Belcher, be. You, you could play this as a Belcher out, and then it's like, okay, uh, they counter it. All right, well, I'll just draw a, I'll just like land grant for my Taiga for a Tinder Wall, and then do it again. <laughs> just do it again. Do you it's remember when people? Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just saying, like, this card does everything. I'm surprised that more people haven't picked up on it. Some people have, some people have, I've seen a lot of people say, like, this is pretty busted. I think that the eight cards scares people, but, like, I yeah, mean, it's learned, not we any. We learned to get over that with Treasure Cruise, I think. Or, or Hogak. Yeah. You know, Hogak's, Hogak, you have to have two creatures in play and five cards in your graveyard, and then it gets wet, and then you don't get any value off of it if it gets a Swords to Plowshares, if it gets it with Swords to Plowshares, right? Like this, you can, you know, you're, if, it, if it enters play before it's removed, you draw, it would at least draw three cards, right? Yeah. Like they've used it. You're, you're up. You're up by three cards. They yeah, drew no, the card for this. The other subtle note that, like, it says draw three, but when you flash it back, it's a draw four. You also get a five three on the table. Yeah. And, like, you're discarding. What are you discarding? You know, Who other cares? cards that work this, right? Who cares? Yeah. It, does, it doesn't that, matter because you're just going to draw more of, like, if you're, if you're treasure cruising, who gives a fuck what the cards are? You're drawing more cards. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not, it's not even that, but like, if you cast this for five, you cast everything in your hand. You've got, you've made five land drops, right? Yeah. If you're casting this out of your graveyard, you're, you're desperate or whatever, or you don't have anything or you just, you know, play the card out that you draw and then you draw three off the top of this thing and play. It's insane. It's I, insane. I think another thing to keep in mind with this card is that, Let's say you, you know, I was making fun of it before because the 5-3 and it's, it is bolt bait. There's a good chance your opponent doesn't want to put this card back in your graveyard so that you can draw three more cards. Dude, if this, <laughs> if this thing hit the table, you lost. That's right? exactly if, how Bethlehem works. If they're, they, if they're in exactly the position where they're like, oh, I have to bolt it, it's because they don't want to die with attacking them. Yeah. Yeah. Like That's if what I'm saying, and if they do that, they're dead. there's a very good chance that you're going to be able to cast it again. And then <laughs> draw three more cards. Exactly. And then, you know, uh, the thing is, I wish I had haste, but, you know, you can't, beggars can't be choosers. Um, I wish I mean, had haste, wow. I wish my ancestrals had haste, wow. I wish my ancestrals had haste. I mean, 
Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to take, I think it takes a little bit of work. You're going to have to sort of tweak the deck and find like the right balance of graveyard dependency and, and like, you know, how fast you want to get this out and everything. And I mean, I see it as like, the only work this thing takes is play is have, have double red in your deck. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm like the Arclight Phoenix deck, like, uh, there's a, there's a blue red one that's been played in Pioneer. If it's a lot of cards in the graveyard, it'd be good for that in Pioneer. Dude, do you, do you think every person who's played four color Jack Faden decks is just like, they see this and they're, they're, they still haven't started breathing again yet? Oh, the, this is insane with Dak Faden, right? <laughs> like, this is just great. Because you just rough it to a Dak Faden and you play all the good cards and you whatever you discard to the... Like, you could just use that. This is the perfect card for using Dak as an actual engine without having to, like, use Punishing Fire or whatever, right? Because you, you just like, all right, I'm just going to always look for the... I'm just going to always look for gas every turn and then this thing's going to give me even more gas out of the graveyard. The, the, the other thing that's special about this card is... When you're up on so many resources and you're just going to be able to make a ton of trades, more often than not, you're just going to be grinding your opponent to shit and then having anything, literal anything that can actually kill you, that can be a thing that kills your opponent is all you need. So like with this card, you can just play this card as both your means of attrition and then also your win con and not have to play any other means to kill your opponent. Because if you place X number of these, you're playing with double the bodies if you want to. Like if you're trying to grind and go long, and cast this for five. If they counter it, who gives a fuck? Who cast it again? Uh, if you then cast it again, now they have to deal with it. And then ancestraling, and then you find another one. Like this is your this is both your your means to kill them and your means to pull ahead. Yep. It's 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 force bait, and then you get it, you can probably get it, you can sometimes get the next turn. The the joke I know that you're right that it's volt bait, Zach, but it's like how many times have you seen someone die to a snapcaster mage because oh, yeah, the snapcaster mage pulled the player who played it so far. I'm not, I, not saying, but you're like, we all know how that works. Like yeah. a Snapcaster Mage pulls you so far ahead and then uh, that's it. it Lights it, out. It turns out Lightning Bolt doesn't draw you three cards, so it's still going to be a problem, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, anyway, um, the Ox is awesome and I can't wait to play it. Yeah. Um, I'm all so right. excited about this card. So I um, guess uh, moving on, uh, let's talk about your uh, your foray into the, uh, the world of internet uh, uh, surveys. All right, so I, I got make sure, don't let me forget to send you some show notes about this. So I had this idea just after like the upteenth time of watching people argue about fetch lands. It's like you know what, I'm just gonna put together a small thing where I play. We play Legacy about fetch lands and see what it looks like. And it's basically just people like arguing adding, about fetch lands, yeah, right? Can you imagine? Um, and halfway through, I was like, ah, I should use Phil's idea, but whatever. And so I put up a survey. I got 127 responses, basically trying to refine the format. My idea is this. Um, I'm going to try and after I get back from my vacation in a couple days, go to Florida with my family to uh, just get some people who are interested in brewing a deck, try and record some videos. We might use the podcast, Patreon or something to post it. You guys might be involved. And then eventually a little bit later this year, I'm going to try and stream a, uh, a tournament from my garage where a bunch of us in Texas will just play the, t- we'll just play the, uh, some of the cooler decks in like a paper tournament. So you can see if it's better on the like, you know, viewer experience. And one of the big complaints about that thing has been on the shuffling. Um, and I would say responses were mixed. I think you can definitely tell the kind of person who's like really interested in exploring what magic has to offer versus the kind of person who just likes to win or play the best deck or whatever it is, and not want to think all that hard. And that's fine. You know, what has different obje- uh, objectives and you don't have to, you don't want to, but um, so I, I, the first question I had on the survey was, 
to indicate your preference as to whether you want to see how existing decks are adapted or not, or don't really care whether or not they are. Right. So when I say that, I mean like, do you want to see a deck that's recognizable as, for example, ad nauseum tendrils adapted to this format and not just like some other storm deck or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and that one, uh, the people do want to see existing decks adapted to the no fetch format. I think it'll be interesting to see how something like a blood moon deck is adapted to this as well. So like that also counts in a way like model red prison, like how good is that or whatever. Right. Um, so that did win. So I guess I'll have to think a little bit more about like ask. I'm going to now probably try and ask people who are like specialists in decks to just help me out with like a brew and, you know, set aside a couple hours to make a video for magic online. Um, and just see, you know, what it looks like in practice. Just sort of like the, you know, one of those banned and restricted tryout things that they do that have, that have been done. Like Caleb Durward did one a few years ago. Right. Just like, here's what three matches this card would look like. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So then I asked, as I said, the 10 fed players from Onslaught and Zendikar are banned in addition to Prismatic Vista from Modern Horizons. I said, which of these, if any, should also be banned. And I asked about the Mirage Fetchlands, Fabled Passage, the Terramorphic Expanse, you know, Evolving Wilds type thing, or none of these. Uh, none of these was the runaway winner. Some people were, you know, most people, the people that the second place was Fabled Passage, it wasn't even close. Um, I don't think, I mean, Fabled Passage is in, uh, pioneer you, you see it fairly not very regularly in fact one of the interesting things that i was thinking about was like how much do you try and play the mirage fetch lands in this new format be interesting to see if that works how that works out for you right um then i said the event is a response to the assertion that certain recent cards have been banned because of fetch lands and which of these if any should be unbanned these were the choices red and six Deathrite Shaman, Sensei's Divining Top, Dig Through Time, or Treasure Cruise. And this was the most interesting thing, one of the most interesting things to me. Uh, I said the 40, 40%, like if any of these cards got 40%, you could vote for as many or, or as few as you wanted. Deathrite Shaman, 68.5, full two-thirds of Legacy, wants to see Deathrite Shaman back in this environment. Nothing else got above 35.4, and that was Sensei's Divining Top. Um, I think you're, the the people the people doing this are suspect based on based on their death right shaman. <laughs> Why? Because I mean, like, like, it's <laughs> I, interesting to see. Like, it's I, I mean, to see. I agree like, with if you. it's not a man of dwarf, how bad is yeah. it? Right? Yeah. So I agree with we'll you. see. Uh, that you know, obviously, if if there's no fetch lines, a lot of the, a lot of those things could be unbanned and would would mean almost nothing. Yeah. Um, Red and Six still has like the wasteland lock pop possibility, yeah. right? Oh, but yeah. you can't tap you're not going to be able to as easily tap Tropical Island Volcanic Island to cast it, which is, you know, a thing to keep in mind. Yep. I mean, you can't, you certainly can do that, but you're not necessarily going to. Uh, then I said, which of these other currently problematic slash controversial legacy, legacy cards of any should be added in addition to the Fetchlands? They were, the options were Brainstorm, Ponder, Delver of Secrets, Oko, Thief of Crowns, Trina Nemesis, Grizzlebrand, Veil of Summer, and Arkham's Astrolabe, and running away with it. Arkham's Astrolabe. People hate Arkham's Astrolabe. People hate this card. I don't get it. <laughs> people hate this card. I just don't I mean, understand. I think you know, a lot of people. I think a lot of people thought it would be basic land Astrolabe multicolor decks, and I kind of see that. But boy, are people sick of this card. And it's funny compared to Deathrite Shaman <laughs> that people love Deathrite Shaman, but they hated Arkham's Astrolabe. They hate Arkham's Astrolabe. 
Um, and then I said, what about these other banned cards, if any, should be unbanned for the event? They were Earthcraft, Mind, Mind Twist, Goblin Recruiter, Frantic Search, Survival of the Frittest, Necropotence, and Yogmas Bargain. Uh, and nothing crossed the 40% threat. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think Earth, <laughs> cards. Earthcraft got close. Earthcraft got to thirty-seven percent. Earthcraft. I mean, I, I'm fine with them unbanning Earthcraft today. Yeah, they could unban Earthcraft. Yeah, at any time. It could be unbanned. They should. They should unban it and not tell anybody and see how long it takes someone to try and sneak it into a tournament. Anyway, I thought. Anyway, I think that the things that was most interesting was just that people have sort of an affinity for Deathrite Shaman as like sort of a value card that can, you know, maybe produce a little bit of mana, but really is like a graveyard safety valve. And dislike Arkham's Astrolabe, which is just, which only serves to provide perfect mana. I think that... No, come it, on. De- Astrolabe, Astrolabe says draw a card on it. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's... That's true. Word. But I mean, like, it's, it's draw a card and provide perfect mana. Here's, here's the thing about... Mana. You can't, like... If you play a Deathrite Shaman and then somebody kills it, you got no value out of that Deathrite Shaman. And assume that we traded even on mana and, you know, you're still not unhappy to have Deathrites in your deck. Whereas Astrolabe is harder to deal with with main deckable cards and it replaces itself immediately. If yeah. Deathrite Shaman entered the battlefield and said, draw a card. <laughs> Could you imagine if it said draw a card? I, don't, I, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be talking on this podcast like I would have quit the game a long time ago. <laughs> um, here's the thing about about the Deathrite Shaman thing that I, I think is uh, this is what I think is interesting. I don't think most of those people would actually play Deathrite Shaman if uh, if it got unbanned if there were no fetch lands around. I just don't think that. Yeah. They, I think they, that uh, they, they, they Pioneer, voting for Pioneer it proved that being completely worthless. Yeah, Pioneer did prove that. Like that card's worthless in Pioneer. It, it's interesting as an idea as like a sideboard card that eats. It's like a relic of progenitus, right? You know, like it's not quite relic of progenitus. I mean, that card saw very little play in in standard uh, when when it was around. Like, it, you know, by the time it was banned in modern, uh, it it was barely seeing any play in uh, in standard. It was like a weird, like oh, it's like sometimes it's a mana dork, but it can end the game in jund. It was a sideboard card because the best thing to do in that standard format was uh, Abzan Reanimator, and yeah. people would or, play it in the board against or uh, against uh, Snapcaster uh, Sphinx's Revelation. There is a five color. I found one listing for for Deathrite Shaman and Pioneer. It's a four of in a deck with. <laughs> I think it's like a soul player deck where you just try to, uh, try to dump stuff in your graveyard and then you and then delve soul player into some sort of horrifying, you know, monstrosity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there you go. That's where it is. And it, I guess Sweet. you get some value off of it. Yeah. Um, but cool. Yeah. That's the only listing I found for it in Pioneer. I can't believe it's a four up. Um, yeah. I think that. A lot of people, uh, there was some like responding. Let me scroll down some of these like responses a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of people say, like, well, this will be like a death and taxes tournament or death and taxes format only. It's like, well, you know, but if you but if you know that coming in, you can you can you can play you can play around it, right? Yeah, you can um, play massacre. You know, like <laughs> a lot of people said, the format increases the price of legacy. Like this isn't about the price; it's about to see what the gameplay looks like. Oh, that was a that was a big thing I got. Um, that was actually the one thing. Like, this is not to do 
anything. I, I just want to be clear. Like, I'm not trying to like start a new format. I just want to see once what it looks like. Um, uh, basically like a lot of, a lot of, uh, wasteland, um, like, well, wasteland's going to kill you. Like, but one thing I've learned from playing a lot of like pre-modern and similar formats is you don't play a lot of three color decks. Yeah. Like you just don't. And that's okay. And the decks that, the decks that like are susceptible to, to wasteland in that format, they beat you well before wasteland really becomes a problem. Yeah. Like I'm happy if I see a wasteland from my opponent, if I'm playing cadaverous bloom, I'm like, okay, cool. You have not much interaction with me. It's not like you're playing blue cards and wasteland, you know? No, exactly. I, I, I think that like the idea is to adapt and try something new and try something different and see like, not and, and you have to imagine you have to sort of imagine the world without fetch lands in it, and it's kind of hard to do because they've been around for so long. But yeah, um, yeah, a lot of people. I also, it was surprisingly controversial to ban uh, Prismatic Vista, but I felt that if that Prismatic Vista wasn't banned, it'd be a four of three. Yeah, it, yeah, every deck would play four Prismatic Vista anyway. You know, <laughs> like yeah, especially the two color decks would play. You, you just have a fetch land. Yeah, it, you would really power up two color decks is what would happen. Not like power up two color decks, but like you just have like a blue deck that played four Prismatic Vista and then either Fabled Passage or um, even the Mirage Fetchlands, just like additional shuffle effects and you just have the same Brainstorm, Ponder, Fetchland yeah. thing, right? Which I, which I thought to avoid. So, um, But I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a little I'm going to try and think of some ideas for decks and talk to some people. Um, things that I would say like, that I don't feel get played. One of the funny things too, just to be clear, is that you know, look, I think Zoo and Maverick are terrible in this format, and those are some of my favorite decks. So it's not like I'm just trying to like get my pet decks to be played. I'm just interested in what it looks like, you know. Like no one loves a good Zoo deck more than me. No one loves to try and like berserk landfall creatures more than me. So it's not like uh, it's not like I don't like to abuse fetch lands. I just um, I'm just sick of them. I'm sick of the like just discussion. Like we don't know what it looks like. Well, that's fine. What it looks like. I think that's the important thing. With no with no uh, Arkham's Astrolabe and Deathrite Shaman is legal, which is going to be interesting. So that's my Fetchland survey. We'll get more information up about it soon. Cool. Um, I think that's probably a good place to stop. We can talk about the other stuff uh, on on the next cast because uh, we're you know we're at like almost an hour right now. Yeah. We were going to talk about the well, next time we'll talk about scryings and old school, right? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll cover that because I I, I I think it merits a little bit longer than than like a couple of minutes, but I, I don't think it's a whole episode either. So uh, yeah. I think we'll have some more stuff to talk about in in, in the next week. As far as the uh, we've we've also got like I, when's this set going to be fully spoiled? Like in in a few days, right? Uh, the new uh, <laughs> the new Theros the new Theros. Uh, let's see. Theros. When you see yeah. what you mean is the new face of every format when we see what mythics are left to change the entirety of the landscape. Yeah, well, Can you believe yes. it? <laughs> uh, okay, Theros Beyond Death. It'll be is fully like spoiled a, two weeks before. Why is there There's a lady in a lake in this too? Like what what's going on? <laughs> Uh, in-store release is January 24th. Pre-release is obviously the 16th, 17th, and 19th. 
Yeah, uh, so it should be next week. 16th on Magic Online. So, yeah, it should be out by the next time we record. And it'll be yeah. interesting to see what's left. So, yeah, maybe maybe I'll do like a bumper a bumper cast uh, for the for the Patreons about, about scrying because – uh, I, I don't feel like it's it's exactly what you know our normal our normal listenership is is into necessarily, um, but I, I feel like it's worth it's worth talking about. Um, but we have a uh, lot I'll, of stuff. I'll talk about it. With you. I would have yeah. talk about it right now. But we I have a lot of stuff like, coming up too uh, in the next yeah. in the next week or two. So there, and and you know there's vacations are happening and stuff and uh, you know I also have to leave for like two weeks in uh, in February. So I'm gonna get some extra content out there before I head out. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun, man. Am I excited about this ox, guys? I don't think I. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember the last time I was more excited for a card. Maybe Arclight Phoenix. And this is probably just the same scratches that same itch of like just dumb graveyard thing. <laughs> I yeah. just love it so much. Yeah, it's it is going to be uh, a mainstay card in every format that it's legal. It, it does it's make safe. me want to play play Blue Red Delver again. Just to just to see how good Blue I Red Delver with, with Thought Scour, yeah, Tome Scour, Power, guys. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because you're just going to ancestral a bunch. Yep. Yeah, you can. That's a th- it's funny. It's funny how these cards like make you play like terrible cards. Like, yeah, who cares? Like, you just get to ancestral, and like, only if only one out of three cards in your deck is good. That's pretty. That's pretty good odds. You're discarding your hand anyway. Who cares? Yeah, discard matter. the rest of the Tome Scours. All right. Well, uh, guys, I'll catch you all next week. Have a good night. Have a good one, everybody. The worst ever design year out of Wizards was 2019. With War of the Spark and Modern Horizons, Silly Food Tokens, Mystic Forge finally broke Mister's Workshop. The worst ever design year out of Wizards gave the static abilities on Planeswalker cards, a one-sided Null Rod, a free 8-8 Legend, and a Ley Line that got whacked in a brand new format. Sure believed in their hearts they were helping By pushing the characters in their story arcs So they stopped after like five minutes of testing Oko And moved on to the fake playtest cards And even though Cyrus won a GP with Storm Red and Six Somehow made Legacy worse And this was how cards got sent to the bandless While you could still buy them in packs when you punish your players for playing your game, don't expect them to thank you for give you. The worst ever design year out of Wizards. Didn't even get the fixes right. Ban true name. Ban true name tonight. Brand 2 